0: The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided
1: for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Welcome to Red Planet. This week we're doing a breakdown and review of the book Brick by Brick by Cradle Community, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. We'll also be talking about how French energy unions were giving free energy to low-income households, 500,000 UK workers going on strike, the IMF completely abusing their position of power, and other news. But first, Sophie's got something to say. So,
1: are we live, or like is this a good time for me to eat a bunch of hula hoops? Or... So, it's no really good time. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Hello, <let's go>. Welcome from <laughs> <to> world five. <laughs> let's <go>. oh, <laughs> fucking... My mouth for hula
0: hoops. Why, why isn't someone else doing the intro? I don't what? know, because it's funny. It's really? funny to, It's funny to just let this happen. Okay, well more oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, <laughs> and more this, <laughs> this is the best intro we've ever done. Yeah, this is yeah, great. yeah I
2: think we should do this every time.
0: Let's do this every week. Welcome everyone. What Sophie was trying to say was this is Red Planet. Welcome in. Um we've got a great show for you this week, as per usual, but we're gonna start with what we normally start with. Uh, even though we started with what we didn't, what we don't normally start with, which is a cold open. We actually started with a kind of hot open, real hot, coming in real hot, Sophie. Real hot. Yes. Ooh, real yeah, hot. now okay. full of hula hoops. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we're going to start with what we normally do, which is, Tim, what's the most bass thing you did this week? Ooh, um, I guess just
2: in the wake of the flooding and stuff. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of kind of, I guess you know like small-scale mutual aid disaster capitalism kind of situations going on so um yeah the um like there's uh not someone I know but like a friend of a friend that was like organizing kind of like a mutual aid network that um yeah helped out and donated with some of that so that's that's probably it for this week something that been pretty pretty busy with work and trying to yeah just trying to recover from the flood basically so <laughs> that's that's it what about um what about you mule what have you done this week
0: oh my gosh so this week was really interesting um <clears throat> in the uk we had on wednesday uh one of the biggest protests um it, that i've ever seen and this this happened all up and down the country uh but it was also coinciding with the day of action Um, with multiple unions, education unions, the RMT, um, lots of strike solidarity in the UK on Wednesday. Extremely cool. And I went with uh, some other members from Great Manchester Tenants Union to the support the right to protest, defend the right to protest uh, rally in uh, St. Peter's Square in Manchester. It was absolutely incredible. I genuinely can't begin to tell you how good it felt to be there. It was like... I was I was actually expecting it to be like a very low key turnout, but there were so many people there. I like I'm not good at judging numbers, but it had there had to be five thousand people there. Like there had to be. It was just an absurd amount of people. Um, It took us ages to march all the way around the city, and we had like a samba band with us at the start, like right front, doing loads and loads of cool, you know, marching beats and shit like that. It was really really good uh yeah just really good hopium and uh you know w- when when you get involved with something like that you just can't you know prevent the hopium it feels great uh and it made me feel like we're gonna win because we are and I believe that we will win um with that Sophie what about you I also believe that we will win but that wasn't the base
1: thing I did this week um oh I'll give a, an update on the warehouse Situation first, because I know oh, I've been yeah. mentioning that in my most based segments recently. I didn't do anything this week, but they did have like the final date that their landlord said that they had to be out. And so they, you know, they kind of got all together and like just the landlord didn't fucking show up, of course. Um, so I'm pretty sure they've just won, basically. Um, there's nice. your update. Uh what have I done this <laughs> week? I started writing about Theranos, which is a company that um, if people don't know, basically they promised that they would have an invention that could test a bunch of like a ton of medical tests from like a single drop of blood and then they just like it was a lie uh and the founder elizabeth holmes has been like sentenced for like 11 years in prison recently but like she was found innocent for defrauding patients which like (laughs) like she, like she like gave people like false results on, like, HIV tests Mm-mm. and stuff like that. Like, like, she did that, Jesus. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, But she, she was, was found literally guilty just, just straight up lying. For, <laughs> yeah, but she was found guilty and is getting, like, 11 years in jail for, like, taking a bunch of rich people's money which, like, based. So, yeah. like, it's... Interesting. I think it's kind of an interesting situation and I'm gonna be writing about it uh, for a little mm-hmm. bit. I actually got a book about it. Um, a friend gave me Bad Blood by uh, John Carreyrou who is, like, the journalist who broke the, broke the story in the first place. Yeah. Um,
0: Cool. Interesting, right?
2: So she was, so the lying to people and, like, you know, like, basically, you know, like, being responsible for, like, actual harm to people, that's not, like, that was, like, you know no biggie whatever yeah you know like that we would gonna... actually
1: consider harmful to like yeah, anyone. yeah yeah exactly
2: yeah the investors however yeah that's, that's the important part yeah absolutely um, yeah. <laughs>
1: right Wild. um cool well that's us for being based what about the news uh since it's sophie day let me tell you about the french (laughs) energy union uh which has given free energy to low-income households we talked about last week uh the cgt who are one of the biggest and oldest unions in france they're far left uh there are like other big unions but they're much more like neoliberal centrist unions Mm. and you know, at some point, we should maybe do a discussion episode kind of differentiating out the, between, like, unions yeah, yeah. that actually exist to push towards communism and unions that don't. Um, Because I think it's an interesting topic. But basically, CGT is an authentic... It's the the, the real deal, real comedy yeah, yeah. energy the union ones, and
2: um, Yeah, we spoke about them last week. They formed right. way back in the day, like, 100 years ago. Oh, yeah, that's super old. Because it was, like, um Marxists, yeah, like, you know, like, anarchists, communists, everything. Like, they yeah. all saw the need to work together and banded together and um, formed this giant union that I can't remember what the membership was, but in its peak, it was like millions and millions. It was huge. Of of it, was it was really, huge, really huge. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, and it's like so a, last a, week we
1: were talking about them because they'd shut off the power to one of Macron's ministers' offices. Yeah, like one specific guy. Yeah, like, like the guy who's responsible for the raising the retirement yeah. age. So they were just like, yeah, you just aren't going to get any work done, which is incredibly based. Uh, but to follow up on that, uh, because people have been describing what they're doing as like Robin Hood behavior... Um, they have now not only taken power from the rich, but they've given it to the poor. Um, and this week, CGT uh, gave um, free energy to, um, to a bunch of low-income households um, and like coinciding with the strikes. So I, I think that this is an incredible move for a bunch of reasons. But one that's really prominent is just like people will associate on an emotional level <laughs> that really fucking cool thing that the unions did with the strikes happening right and they'll just be like it's good when strikes happen um so uh the leader of uh cgt said i would suggest that some billionaires who think that we don't need to increase salaries and that everything is going well in this country could do with living the experience of millions of households who are facing energy insecurity which i yeah <laughs> it's 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 just always good when you get like yeah, from yeah, leaders yeah. of these big left like properly left unions because they're always just like yep that is facts facts yep good job yeah yeah, yeah. like just know anyone that
2: is like has like you know because like media training and everything is important um mm. there's actually a, a podcast that um friend of the show well all friends of the show um on the one of 200 podcasts that i um used to do the streams with and mm. um and our other friend um emmy from people against prisons aotearoa did um Uh, a piece recently about the importance for orgs to you know like to engage with the media you know because um yeah if we don't get statements like this one from the leader of CGT we would just get something from the newspapers where they would be like yeah, like they would right. just make something up, you know, or exactly. they, would, they would just, they would ask someone else. Well, and, there's um, plenty
1: of people to yeah. ask. Cause the, the final, the final note I've got for the section is the French government is big mad, but who cares? Um, Like if the, if the newspapers left their own devices, there are a lot of like really pissed off neoliberals right now in the French government who are just talking about how like disrespectful this is and it's going to make everything worse and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's not. Um nah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they are... Th- <laughs> they are talking about bringing some kind of legal action against the union for like Mm. trying to influence policy decision which um considering that the union is doing this alongside like hundreds of thousands of people protesting i think it's gonna be pretty hard to like build that case because it's like it's not like if 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 you if you live in a democracy, then, you know, your policy decisions should reflect what people want. And if, if hundreds of thousands of people are, like, marching the streets uh, on the reg, we'll see anyway. So that's kind of the end of that story. Um, Mule, you want to tell us about, well, you were just telling us about it a minute ago, but... We've got I was. I some- some news details to add There's some
0: details that's right uh we are talking about next the um massive strikes that i was talking about um on wednesday in the uk uh basically yeah it is the long and short of it um that nurses teachers rmt rail maritime and transport workers and others joined in on the enormous strike uh, Five hundred thousand uk workers went on strike in total uh nursing staff this is a quote from one of uh the unions nursing staff have had enough of being taken for granted enough of low pay uh unsafe staffing levels enough of not being able to give the, our patients the care that they deserve uh that was from the royal college of nursing uh which is one of the i think the more radical nursing unions um i've spoken to one of my friends who's a nurse and uh, she was you know gonna strike with uni- unison i think either unison huh. Um, or someone else and um and they they tried to get her a shit deal so and most of the nurses were like no we're not doing that we're gonna we're gonna go with the royal college of nursing um (coughs) which again
1: to make that distinction that i'm saying we should spend some time on at some point like unison is one of these really really big corporate unions and it's like it's not that they aren't gonna push for any progression of workers rights but like compared to a radical union it's gonna be shit
0: yeah, it's very very basic stuff, and in fact, there's some of them are so shit. I actually spoke about this on my uh, own stream uh, this week. Uh, Abellio in London, who are a, mm. a bus firm, uh, their workers about two thousand of their workers, so not even a, not even a shy amount. Buses really. and trains. Like, uh, oh, is it buses and trains? So Abelio, yeah, they're yeah, they're a, they're a, they're a, a transport um, company. Um, But basically, 2,000 of their workers actually went on strike despite the union trying to offer them a lower deal, a below inflation rate deal. So they basically said, fuck this, we're going to strike ourselves. Um, And the the company are so scared of this, they actually said, we're going to have to start cutting a lot of costs now to make sure that the business doesn't go under um so you know it's it's an extremely effective thing and you know we spoke about unions a lot here on red planet they're kind of our thing uh but like what what kind of happens is generally speaking the progression really from this is that like so you know you're you're striking with a bit of a libby union and then you're going to you know do your own thing and then the step on from that is kind of like well we could just run the company ourselves and everyone gets a stake in the business and that's a worker's co-op. So, you know, and then obviously the stage after that is make other people do it. But, you know, anyway. So anyway, who knows how it's going to go? But kind of seeing people react like this, I think, is, is very hopium. Um, so anyway. Uh, on with this story. Basically, uh, there have been more strikes planned for the 6th, the 7th, the 9th, the 10th, the 11th, the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, the 20th, the 21st, the 22nd, the 23rd, the 24th, the 27th, and the 29th of February across a range of professions. We are talking strike fucking wave all over the fucking shop, folks. Like, this is awesome um so this is gonna i listed be... them out like
1: that in the notes because i was just like this is practically every day in february
0: yeah. yeah 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 every day pretty much in february um this is including ambulance drivers university workers civil servants postal workers um there are so many people going on strike in the uk at the minute and what i saw a really funny post about this i saw someone say um I kind of miss the old school BBC just completely, uh, you know, denying the fact that police were sent to uh, the miners, the miners' strikes to, to like, beat the shit out of them and stuff like that. I kind of miss the old days because now they're just kind of making headlines like, what is union? Is it bad? Like, they just, like, have no idea how to deal with it because they never thought it would be a problem for them again. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I thought that was a pretty funny post to go along with this. Like, you know, the establishment are shitting themselves. Like, this is what you have to remember, folks, is that, you will see little you know slits in the curtain and you will be able to see light seeping out from beyond there that is the good beautiful light of hope um they're all shitting themselves they're pissing they're crying they're coming they're farting um you know that's that's what's going down so uh yeah just remember that uh finishing this news story that's off.
1: true we're reporting the news and that was a that's a true fact In the and the, they are farting
0: that's right that's right <laughs> uh finishing off this story with uh a quote here from uh, network rails chief negotiator Tim shoveler uh he said no one can deny the precarious financial hole in which the railway finds itself striking makes that hole bigger and the task of finding a re- resolution ever more difficult uh but the writer here who is Sophie has said but like that's the point dumbass um you know and that is a- yeah. something about a guy called shoveler talking about <laughs> digging a big hole
1: while also like lying about how unions work, I'm like <laughs> fucking. There's there's some synergy going on here. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Chat. like that's
0: the point, dumbass. Like... What you got? What you got? To remember, audience. <laughs> yeah, is that, that this guy is gonna be you know just absolutely not even remotely negotiating with these with these striking workers. It's just not. It's just not gonna be happening. And yeah it's it's time it's, it's like the, it's...
1: the union's negotiator is going to be someone whose job it is to like unflinchingly represent the demands of the the workers and yeah. the corporations or the government's like negotiator is going to be someone whose job it is to just like fob you off yeah. just ever so gently for as long as possible <laughs> i mean that's just great. like he's just <laughs> like <laughs> he's just like it's the the railway is poor it's got oh it's financially oh the poor yeah. railway comfort oh no and the union's gonna make even more bad bad sad money
0: <laughs> it's actually like you know he's admitting to the fact that the railway is fucked like you know it the, the, we've got all these problems with it oh uh, it, you know, it wouldn't be anything to do with how we're running the business though yeah. you know yeah it yeah, be yeah, yeah to do with yeah, how the private not. companies are yeah. looking after yeah. Yeah uh you know the railway don't look points. at the bonuses do not look at the bonuses <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, he's just, It's also just great to hear, like directly from the horse's mouth, like the union strategy is working. It's just like yeah. a. It's just like a, a bullied kid who's trying to turn the, the bullies away by being like, "Guys, if you keep on grabbing my waistband, my pants are gonna fall down. Stop!" <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> fucking, oh, the, totally. the financial situation is getting worse because of the strikes. Okay, let's strike some more. Then. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, uh, next up, we've got a story with our Tim. Yeah,
2: so, um, we've got another one. This is, like, following a kind of wave of similar things happening. Um, So, Finland passes self-determination reforms for trans-legal changes. So, um, yeah, we've been talking a little bit um, over the last last little while now about, um, like, trans self-ID laws. Uh, And so, recently, both Scotland and Spain um And this is, uh, which is great because there's like the UK and then there's like, you know, there's like England and then there's like Scotland and then there's Spain down here and they're like, you know, coming at them from all sides. Um, Northern
1: Ireland too. It's truly surrounded.
2: Yeah, 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 totally. um You know, like uh, everyone's been passing these self ID laws that essentially let trans people um change their own, you know, like on official documents and stuff, change their own gender without having to, you know, get like, five different doctors seals of approvals and like you know any kind of like like in medical inspections or any just any ridiculous shit like that it's basically just means you just go and you just say like you know like hey i'm a girl now and they go okay cool fill out this form and then bam um so uh yeah, so Scotland and Spain have done that. Finland have just passed it this week. So it takes out all the medical barriers for people to uh to change their legal gender identification. Um it's yeah, so in uh in Scotland, you could do it at 16 and 17, but over in um in Finland they're gonna make it so you have to be at least 18. So not quite as, you know, kind of um not quite as lenient as Scotland, but you know here we go um so but it's um it's actually a huge change in finland though because uh so finland this is the same for a bunch of nordic countries as well um i mean nordic scandinavian countries uh that to to be to change your gender and to be you know legally recognized as trans you have to be medically sterilized like this is something i think um sweden do it as well and um there's a couple other places which is like fucking wild, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, I I think actually maybe it's the same in like, um, in Dubai as well, where it's like, oh yeah, you can do it, we'll totally recognize you, but yeah, uh, we just have to do this like fucked up eugenics shit to you first, you know, uh, yeah, which is like totally super fucked up, so this is kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum from that. Really. It's kind of like crossed all the way over. It's a, it's a huge, huge um, upgrade. So um, yeah, which is pretty good. Um, So we've got a quote from, like the name is, it's a, it's a Finnish name and you know, you know, you people know what Finnish sounds like. (laughs) So Matty, Matty, Pila, (laughs) Pila, Pila Jama, Pila Jama, something. um, I I
1: try and put pronunciations in the notes when I can. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. When I can. Well, Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Pilajama. Um, I think that's it. Pilajama.
1: Pilajama? Yeah.
2: yeah. So Amnesty International's Finland um, LGBTI rights advisor it says So by passing this act, Finland has taken a major step towards protecting trans people's rights and improving their lives and right to self determination. So, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Which is like pretty cool. So it's like a huge, huge step up from Finland. Um, Hopefully a little, um, you know, some of those other Scandinavian countries can take a little bit of inspiration from that because, um, yeah, I have seen people talking on Twitter about how, um, you know, doing things like, yeah, like getting sterilized is like huge for them. And, you know, they're like, you know, they're still quite young and thinking like, I don't know if I ever want to have kids in the future or anything like that, or people saying that they definitely do but like they don't want to they also you know want to transition as early as possible sort
1: of thing being able to have kids for trans people is kind of it's like a two-sided issue because there's like countries that require you to be sterilized before you can have these kinds of legal changes and then there's also like the situation i have for example is like uh if i want to store like what are they called zygotes or whatever gametes gametes i always forget that word you know that costs a, a ton of money and it's like it's very much part of the process that like the NHS should be paying for, but I would not have it covered. So like, you know, I just basically, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just nigh on impossible to like have kids if you're trans and poor. Yeah. 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 It's super fucked up. Um,
2: but yeah, so, but this is a positive thing. I mean, it's, it, it's still what we would call a, a non-reformist reform but um yeah no but it's um it's good because like we we could
1: we could debate that one because it is like we did talk about like when you when you free up workers to be able to you know engage in the struggle and i think that like having to uh, okay at least for the gender recognition certificate in the uk the amount of evidence you have to collect in order to prove that you are who you are like they want like a bill from like every three months from the start of the period that you're talking about and they want you to have been living as your gender for like two years at least but if you're if you've waited longer since you started then you need to have like proof of address with your correct name on it for like once every, at least once every three months for like say you know five years or something like it can be a huge fucking deal um i don't know i would say that like the amount it frees people up to just like live their lives is pretty cool
2: yeah 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 no totally. wait so maybe i said the wrong thing then when i oh said it. i'm so yeah, sorry yeah. i went yeah, i yeah. went off
1: on that like you said the opposite thing i'm so sorry yeah yeah yeah. well <laughs>
2: okay. i i don't actually remember what i said but i meant that i mean the... i
1: think you said it was a yeah. non-reformist reform and i and i was like and i yeah i malfunctioned it's sophie yeah, day no, again but yeah, it's yeah. So no, it's yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah yeah,
2: but yeah no we're totally in agreement um it's good that's what we need to talk about um so yeah so the Just the additional bullshit admin and all that kind of stuff, and um you know like it frees people up to do better stuff um so yeah, cool, uh well, what about why don 't you tell us Sophie, a little bit more about what 's happening in the u k with um some 19-year-old that has recently been arrested.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's an interesting one. So um police in the UK have arrested. Well, the, the arrest was actually a little while ago, but the, the this week they sentenced a 19-year-old who is like far-right radicalized teenager who was trying to print a 3D print a semi-automatic rifle, uh, and was also like encouraging people online to carry out like armed racist attacks. Um I think the, the topic of like 3D-printed weaponry is kind of interesting, and I think that it's worth a much longer discussion. It's probably going to be its own episode. But for now, uh, yeah, the UK Tech Police are endeavouring to remove a large amount of resources related to the production of 3D-printed weapons online uh, because they sentenced a, a far-right teenager to 11 years in prison for manufacturing an FGC-9 assault rifle and encouraging armed racist attacks online. Uh, the Guardian article talking about it said it took the Guardian just three clicks from Google to find a, ni- a 194 page instruction booklet to build a semi-automatic FGC9 firearm. Um, yeah, it is for the, yeah. If you, if people aren't aware, like it is as simple as like three clicks away to just find all the details and resources. If you, you know, if you have a 3d printer or whatever, um, that same article talks about, yeah, I've mentioned this on the show before that like, the um the barrel and, like, the firing pin uh, and the other parts that can't be printed, like, can be bought from a retailer in Florida and, like, the package is labelled as being, like, wind chimes. And, like, they talk about that in the article as well. I don't know if the, them talking about that in the article means that that's going to not be the case, but, like, you know, solutions like that that people have found to ordering the parts they need are going to... they're going to carry on existing. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially, like, within the gun culture
2: of America where it's, absolutely. like, they, you know, like they, like they, a lot of, you know, like with the lobbying groups or like people that just literally just sell guns and stuff, yeah. they, um, like, they want these things, like they want things like, you know, barrels, firing pins and stuff to be accessible yeah. and stuff. And they know that like they skirt around the law to kind of like provide these things sometimes. So it's kind of yeah. like taking advantage of that. This is like, there was niche, the whole you
1: know? discourse around bumper stocks in the US a little while ago, because like, the you know gun culture is uh, all about customizations yeah
2: yeah yeah it's it's literally wild like one thing that um i read an article about a long time ago and it was by a, a woman who was like an outsider to the kind of gun community and she went along to a gun show and just kind of documented it and she said that she was just like this is just like like men collecting their little Barbies and they just get all their little attachments and they have to have the, they have to have the car. They have yeah, to have the home. They have to do this kind <laughs> of stuff. And it's like these dudes that are like, you know, probably never going to actually have to use their guns at like any actual kind of like, you know, like, situation that they would imagine might happen or whatever but it's like they have to have access to all of these things in case yeah. they need yeah in case they need a bump stock to defend their family like whatever yeah. you know yeah exactly
1: yeah um, this is pretty wild so yeah i mean it, it's 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 an interesting conversation 3d printed weaponry because actually I'll, I'll i'll back up and say um not that it's interesting but i think that it's going to be a necessary conversation that the the people in the politics sphere need to have because we've already had like the very high profile assassination of Shinzo Abe with a DIY weapon uh it's gonna be like it's gonna be a thing we've got um and I mentioned this again in this story in a minute but like the the Myanmar rebels using the FGC9 which is 3D printed and like as they say in this Guardian article it took the Guardian just three clicks from Google to a 194 page instruction booklet to how to build the FGC9 um like it's simply so absurdly available for anyone who does want to do it that, like, we can't not talk about it. So I,
0: I do think we'll have a yeah discussion episode in a bit. Anyway, the, uh, um... last October. Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, no, I was just going to say the only the only thing that I can possibly say that I've seen anything remotely like this in real life is like deliveroo drivers who started like modifying their bikes oh. have, you, have you seen any of these like they're basically just yeah. turning their bikes into scooters now well like yeah. You... <laughs> yeah and i think yeah, it's I really cool like it, they, like they kind of have to do that because they can't afford to buy one mm. um but i th- i do think it's really interesting that this is something that pe- people are using the internet people are, are using uh 3d printing and all this kind of stuff just to mm. like cyber- have like a super boring cyberpunk dystopia do you know what i mean like that that's what's yeah. happening it's obviously not the fault I mean, yeah. of the people
1: doing it but yeah. no i i think um there are other sides to it as well this is something i wanted i would definitely talk about if we have this episode about uh, 3d printer weaponry but like um there was an example i found of uh people in palestine who are printing uh medical equipment like you know like medical grade like tourniquets and stuff like that um uh yeah I I don't know about the full range of what they're printing but they're printing a bunch of stuff that's really really useful and like fucking rocks. There's a wider culture of printing stuff that is going to be useful in resistance against imperialist states, right, which is not just like weapons. Although weapons is going to be at the forefront of that conversation because like that's the forefront of the resistance against them, right?
2: Yeah. There's um as a side note there's also a really fascinating culture around um 3D printing um, custom prosthetics for people that have lost limbs and things like that. Um, The, the, yeah, the difference in quality and comfort and everything between like a $50,000 medical prosthetic and, you know, like one that you could print at home isn't that big. So it's, you know, like you could get the $50,000 one that will probably last like, you know, quite a few years or you can make a super cheap one at home and maybe replace it sort of like two or three times in that time. Yeah. And the, yeah, the difference is not that, not that big or whatever. So, um, and even just like there's some people that would just never really be able to afford the more expensive ones anyway. So um, yeah. Yeah. So there's like, there's lots of interesting ways that that kind of stuff can be used to kind of like, I guess like circumvent, you know, whether it's like, the kind of you know the actual like the process of having to apply for insurance to you know do this kind of shit or whatever even in the imperial court you know like yeah exactly uh,
1: Exactly. i mean i think that there's i think there's something we we should try to like i think that um the obviously like the biggest gulf uh like the the biggest um inequality or privilege that you can point to is like the difference in quality of life for people in the imperial core versus in, in the imperial per- periphery broadly speaking like you know if i'm talking about ex- dis- like systemic challenges i face as a trans woman like they are themselves enormous but i still also am white and i still also am not like a kid working in a sne- like sneaker factory in indonesia like my you know my life is such a but then like just like you're saying like with you know health insurance for example like the difference again between like just and let's just like ordinary people in the Imperial Corps and the the super rich is just crazy. Like the access to well, this is something I was watching. I was rewatching because I was talking about this this article, uh, this news story about the three D printed stuff. I was rewatching Jake Hanrahan's interview with Jay Stark, the designer of the SGC nine, and he was saying like he was making this point. I don't quite I don't quite agree with how he phrased it, but I think I agree with what he was saying, which is he was like. The development of technology has no politics and i don't agree with how he says that because it's like well it does it has enormous amounts of politics but that's kind of what he's saying he's kind of saying like new technology should belong to everyone and instead you always see it in the hands of the state every single time and that's because the state has the most money um and so like he as someone who's trying to like just make it so that you know guns are available to absolutely everyone it's kind of the same as someone who's like well you know the same but for a different end um as someone who's like yeah i want to make sure that like prosthetic limbs are available to anyone who needs one Um, yeah yeah, yeah. it's like you can
2: see like the angle there like you know it's like you could go you can either go to like the kind of like yeah like the kropotkin angle where it's like all of this technology is only only um accessible to us because of the vast you know kind of like some of human effort up until this point and like you know all this kind of stuff we all be so you know it should belong to everyone and we should all kind of uh you know take we should all have own of it should be all accessible to everyone and then there's like the the libertarian angle where it's just like yeah but (laughs) also like we could just you know like yeah uh, yeah I don't know it's gonna kind of, you can kind of see where there's the split in a lot of those communities like a lot of the yeah but I like think I mean British so one thing communities are like the you know like the libertarian anarchists where it's like they're really just like anarcho-capitalists or whatever
1: I find I continue to find Jay Starks be a very interesting character because he's like because he, he's like Kurdish so I'm like <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah like yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 like he says a lot of shit that's just like I'm a free speech absolutist. and I believe in two things, the right to free speech and the right to bear arms and everything else is bullshit or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'm, and I, but I'm like, I don't know. That has a very different perspective on it for, uh, I didn't, you know, it wasn't uh, until after he died. Sorry. I'm, we, we have str- strayed so far from just reporting this story. I'm going to report this story now. Uh, last <laughs> October, uh, police in Northwest London raided a home uh, a home factory and arrested two guys who were producing FGC-9s. The FGC-9 is a, a firearm that was designed by a Kurdish founder of uh, com and right-to-bear-arms absolutist J-Stark um, <laughs> R.I.P. J-Stark who was found dead in October 2021 two days after the German police raided his home. The police claim his death was due to a heart attack which seems like a very funny hmm. coincidence.
2: It's what's so, wild how People always get raised by the raided by the police, like, or you know, they always get like, you know, like, yeah, forcibly detained at the like that exact moment when they have a heart attack. It's weird. Yeah, how that it's so
1: weird. But- it's just like the excitement was too much for. The, sorry, I'm the, I'm just quoting the police spokesperson. Actually, said the excitement was too much for him. Um, <laughs> My guy guy was like designing uh, guns to be used in like insurgent groups against military hunters. I don't think that the excitement was too much for him from like seeing some (laughs) things. Anyway, the FGC9, which stands for Fuck Gun Control and 9 for the 9mm, is the most popular 3D printed weapon design due to its simplicity and efficiency and has been seen in use by rebels against the military hunter in Myanmar. And that's it on 3D printed weaponry for now. But yeah, we'll probably come back to this. Uh, Mule, do you want to tell me about Pakistan?
0: Sophie, I do. Uh, If you are unaware, folks, listening, watching, um, it just doesn't work. Capitalism just doesn't work. There's no way. It just can't work. It's absolutely incapable of working. Um, Here is an example. Pakistan. uh, They have recently been in an economic situation called circular debt, uh, which describes itself as um, cascading government subsidies where the government can't subsidize energy distributors who can't pay energy producers, who in turn can't pay fuel providers. So it's this sort of like supply chain of no one being able to afford anything because capitalism doesn't work. And that's, that's the long and short of it. Uh, but what is happening now is that Pakistan are applying for financial aid. And we've spoken about the IMF on this program many times. Uh, They are horrific, disgusting, piece of shit bastards. They are the enablers of capitalism all around the world. They put so much pressure on countries who are even remotely trying to, uh, you know, do good things for their people. And um, essentially, they're they're given requirements for Pakistan to to hit in order to receive financial aid. Uh, You know, just the gatekeeping of financial aid in itself is so unethical for many 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 reasons um you know so just sort of like going one step beyond that and and you know making these these requirements extremely hard to hit um so yeah there's a little bit more information about this um about this story here in the notes and that is that pakistan's economy has been struggling like this for multiple years uh, it's in the energy sector that it is that it is mainly focused uh the government has trying to been uh, it's trying to be uh, secure has been trying sorry i can't even get my words out it's not just sophie day it's mule day uh the the government has been trying to secure loans from the international monetary fund uh the imf must be destroyed by the way absolutely must um since before the last election but after the latest round of talks the prime minister shabazz sharif uh has described the imf requirements as beyond imagination um it looks like they're looking for more taxation of the poorest and removal of subsidies from governmental policy so again it's the IMF demanding that a country become less socialist, right? It's like country...
2: demanding austerity so they can be like, exactly. okay, well, this is these are the things that you need to do to get your country under control so that you can pay back the loans. It's not about like to get your country functioning and get it, you know, like to, you know, work on the kind of quality of living for the people. It's immediately like, how can we squeeze more money out of the working class?
0: Yeah, it's it's exactly that. There's no reason for this other than the violent upholding of Western imperialist hegemony. That's, that's all it is. There's, there's nothing else to it, folks. Um, Sajid Amin of the Sustainable Development Policy Institute in Pakistan said, Two of the major IMF conditions, market-determined exchange rate and petrol price increase, are majorly met already. The talks are now more focused on how to meet pakistan 's circular debt target in the power sector. The fund has not accepted the government 's plan and has asked for a revised plan to deal with the circular debt problem it 's just again you know what what else is there to say about this it's uh, it's it 's demonic it 's absolutely demonic you know pakistan is is a country that is suffering from the uh you know increasingly difficult uh demands that capitalism is is placing upon itself the the demand for infinite profit the demand for uh you know complete control by the rich by the ruling class uh and the the oppression of the working class you know it just it's it's just not working it's just not working at all and and it's it's completely unfair that a country like pakistan has to deal with this um just because people are just kind of being mean really when you think about it Money is just things that are made up on a computer, In it nowadays? You can put just like a number in a in a computer and it's there. That's actually what the IMF do when they make loans. They just go, alright, there you go, there's the dough. Uh, you know, you don't think they're fucking printing out trillions of dollars, do you? You don't actually think they're printing that paper. Like, it just doesn't fucking happen that way. Um, so why couldn't they just not, you know, give them the money? It sucks. It fucking sucks. Uh, but that's that. Ghoulish demons. stuff from the IMF
1: demons demons are real the IMF the pl- must be destroyed that's right
0: uh i think tim's got a story for us from dan under and yeah
1: from from where from where
0: dan under <laughs>
2: um yeah this one is from australia actually um so not my down under but the other down under um
0: that's right the other one yeah the the worst one one. the the, worst one it's
2: it's up for me actually is
0: it um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're basically britain but down under aren't you new zealand like that's basically what it is
1: politically australia is britain but down under yeah 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 i meant
0: geographically
2: (laughs) um yeah i'm not sure like i mean maybe i i I feel like new zealand's probably more like ireland but down under like i think like and then That's Australia's far off. kind of more of our our england um <clears throat> i don't know yeah um so uh yeah so he died a little while back now like i think a couple weeks ago but um they just recently had the the big state funeral thing for um for george cardinal george pell um who was, yeah, the big cardinal uh, Catholic church guy in Australia who had been implicated in a million, a million little, little schemes and scandals um, usually revolving around child abuse in some form. Um, he actually went to jail himself for a little while, but they ended up overturning the conviction for like a bunch of bullshit reasons. But um he he died uh yeah just like earlier in January I think like like the tenth or something like that and um they just recently had his big funeral and it was um it's
1: wild because uh, he that, is... that guy the guy the the guy in the picture here his tattoo says Wendy but it really looks like it says Wendy's it, lo- it really looks like he's got uh, a, yeah. like a ah uh-huh, that's a Wendy's tattoo. <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: but um so this is actually a um, photo of protesters against his funeral um you know for all the reasons that we've just talked about um yeah there was um so they say there was hundreds of protesters i'm not exactly sure like on numbers or anything like that but um and it's like being super unreported on in australia um where it's like it's huge news. Everyone knows like it's been a big political issue for years like with the, you know, like the whole thing with like the state and it's kind of like enabling of the Catholic Church and you know high level people within it and stuff. Um but yeah, there's um yeah, it's been pretty pretty fucking wild. Um so a friend of mine is like a researcher that um works in like all kinds of stuff for like I guess kind of like um figuring out the way that the church has enabled a lot of like these historic cases of abuse and all this kind of stuff um and like for they've mapped out this gigantic network of child abuse and its relation to you know the catholic church in australia and it's wild how it's like a giant pyramid that just all comes back to Cardinal George Powell. So for years he got away by saying that he just wasn't aware of stuff happening or they were never open to him or whatever. But then over years things have come out where it's been like, no, like this person, you know, like this, they had a meeting, they talked about this, they discussed it. He knew exactly what was going on. He was a close confidant of the abuser, all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it was just instrumental in and keeping it under wraps and being like, like basically the, the, the Jeffrey Epstein of the Australian uh, Catholic church, where he would, instead of, you know, instead of um, like actually dealing with uh, predators in the institution, he would just move them somewhere else or, you know, like he knew exactly what was going on. And then, so yeah, it's wild for all this to be fairly public knowledge, but then, you know, like the, you've got former prime ministers at his funeral like yeah like um tony abbott the former prime minister referred to him as a soldier for truth and the truth uh, and saints for our times i would for refer while, to tony abbott as a soldier for shit
1: okay. yeah and
2: while people were like clapping and cheering on and stuff got him. Um, yeah it's it's pretty wild and um yeah i mean and it was like the the funeral was full of people from like judges um you know like really well-known politicians everything like you know media figures all this kind of stuff it's like yeah it's super sus but um yeah also the catholic church is like super super um it's just like I mean, I was gonna say it's it's quite deified, but you know, duh. Um, no, but you know, it's like <laughs> its place in um in Australian society is like, you know, is like is 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 huge. Um more so I would say that like, you know, like Catholicism isn't huge in New Zealand. Um when I've been in the States, I've found that there's like Catholic communities in certain areas, like, you know, like in New York and stuff, like, but in general, it's not like as huge. But um, in Australia, it's gigantic and there's, like, a huge, like, a lot of diaspora communities from, like, um, the Mediterranean and stuff, especially in areas like Sydney and Melbourne and stuff, are, like, really hardcore Catholics. So it's, like, it's kind of, like, uh, for a lot of people, they see, like, an assault on, you know, like, Cardinal Pell is an assault on Catholicism or right. themselves, you know, part of their identity or whatever. So um people that are ordinarily not very radicalized, um, you know, like are very have been very defensive of the cardinal, you know, which is like, yeah, pretty fucking wild. Whereas like I think a reasonable person would see this and be like, oh, okay, no, like, you know, like I think if you know, if you if you're Catholic and you really, you know, and you love this and it means a lot to you, you want to you know, you want to get rid of these elements, right? Like you would want to kind of um kind of yeah, get rid of the rot that is kind of tainting this uh this thing that would be really important to you. But Australia hey, is
1: cementing its position as the uh Pacific England by having the tradition of lovable public nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So yeah, so it's pretty wild. Um but yeah, and he was he was actually the most senior Catholic official ever to be convicted of child sex abuse. Um which is, like, interesting, which is only, like, two years ago. <laughs> oh, three years Jesus. ago. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I think that's it for the news this week.
1: Um, Okay. We did yeah, it well, on that dark note. So recently on the show, we had a discussion of transformative justice with Chelsea and Kelsey from Cradle Community, and we liked what they had to say so much that we decided to read their book. Actually, Tim decided to read that book, and then he told us that it was really good, so I decided to read it as well. And, well, I uh,
2: started reading it at that
1: point, yeah. and then I said
2: everyone else read it and then i feel like everyone else read it and then i didn't even pick it up for like two weeks and then like <laughs> last like yesterday i just yeah. read the entirety of the rest of it and like it's okay
0: basically tim. one sitting don't worry yeah. i haven't read it at all because I yeah. yeah.
1: and so uh <clears throat> their book brick by brick how we build a world without prisons is what we're going to be discussing today tim and i are going to be telling mule about it and um uh, Mule
0: will ask questions i guess i'm um, going to be learning in the way that i like to learn Not in the way that people try and make me learn, which is read books.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The book is a fantastic entry point for anyone looking to understand abolitionist politics and to understand how a new approach to justice can change the way we look at everything. And today we want to talk about how it can apply to us and our comrades in our real lives. So let's talk about, bugging, hang on a second, brick by brick, how we build a world without prisons. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's, I have the it's ebook,
2: also... so I can't hold it up. But
1: like uh, yeah. cucked. imagine um... I'm it. Wait, I'll <laughs> hold up my phone. I read it on
0: Whoa, yeah, whoa, look at that book.
2: <laughs>
1: it's God. also worthwhile reading the subtitle and title Backwards, How We Build a World Without Presence. Brick by Brick. Uh yeah, I mean I liked it a lot. I think that like uh two-thirds of it or whatever, because I am who I am were not news to me. Nah, that's not fair. Maybe like half of it. I don't want to say two thirds. I'm looking at I'm looking at the page count right now, and like, so basically, when you get to section three, it's called brick by brick the building. Um, there's lots of like figures and stuff that I did not know going through the first part of it or the the first two sections, I guess. I think the but the like, first the
2: yeah the, the broad shape kind of it I didn't like. Yeah, yeah, the earliest stuff for me I found was like kind of like things that I had known from all different places but then they've kind of assembled it kind of like as like you know it it reads almost kind of like manifesto like right and it's like they're like this is the this is the goal and then they're they're kind of setting it up and they're like this is why we need to do this and whatever so they talk a lot about like um yeah you know just like kind of like systemic injustices and all this kind of stuff which I think like for a lot of people that are already kind of like have done a little bit of reading or have like you know yeah a little bit of stuff about you know prison abolition and stuff probably going to be a little bit more familiar with some of that stuff yeah like Um, i said
1: it's because like i said because i am who i am like if you're not literally me like i think there's a lot of stuff here you know people are always asking me for stuff it's a really good introduction to a bunch of topics and honestly this is probably going to be one that's i'm going to end up being like Oh, you're asking me about, about about the police yeah brick by brick uh you're asking me about like racial discrimination brick by brick you you're asking me about like uh like, psychiatric care? Housing, like yeah like, brick by brick every time like this is actually really comprehensive and it also does a really good job of pulling all those things like into a cohesive picture as well yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we've got um jm1610 in the chat saying "Wish H- H- Press made- Um, audiobooks too for their book releases well funny story because I actually for the last part of it I plugged it into an audio e-reader thing where you know you put the that you put the e-book in and it reads it out to you so um I did that for the last uh, part. And it was like in the system voice. So it's not, like, not the same as a really good narrator. Um, but the funny thing is, though, I tweeted about it yesterday, is that for some reason, I don't know if it was the ebook or the app that I was using, was kind of buggy. So um, it wasn't pronouncing any Fs and Is together. So instead of saying first, it would say RST. But um, yeah. After ages, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, the re, the way I realized that some, the, the time that I realized that something was up was when because it talks a lot about the UK Home Office because yes. community <laughs> from the England or whatever like that. But um, it kept saying like you know like I I should have recorded some quotes, but it kept blaming everything on the homos. <laughs> and they like would literally say the homos and it's because it was trying to say the home office but if you take out the f and the i's it's just like the homos <laughs> you know and i was just like My and like God. it slipped through a couple times and i was like wait what was that what was that and then i went back and like rewired <laughs> it was yeah like oh the home office <laughs> but um yeah i should i should record it but um Yeah, I'm not sure what it was. Like if it was like the e reader or like the way that they formatted the e book or whatever, but um will just be
0: bigoted, you know, that's that's what I know, exactly. That's it. That's (laughs) it.
2: Yeah, um, I didn't know. I didn't understand. Like now, I understand the homosexual agenda. It's actually identical yeah. to the Home Office's agenda. I, oh
1: um, wow, yeah. that's not what I. Yeah, been yeah, hearing. yeah. A twist. A soul, a soul I've been talking to some homosexuals. And I do not think that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all
2: those um those those Raytheon <laughs>
1: employees. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew the tech trans were going to betray us eventually. Um, <laughs> Uh, like i think a good example what i mean when i'm saying like there are statistics and figures in here that i didn't know would be like they said that only four percent of people in the uk earn over forty six thousand pounds a year right which i would not have figured right like i've been on like a 20k salary that had a progression to get to like 30k or whatever in if i stayed with this like awful tech company um you know so i wouldn't have thought that like 46k was like such a an unattainable figure for people because it's certainly like certainly like my parents and like my family would think that it's like you know uh, a very achievable normal thing being like middle class aspirants but like yeah it's four percent of people and that's like that really speaks to the dire situation but it's like you know did I not know that there was massive wealth inequality or income inequality in the UK no I knew that I just didn't know it was like that's you know that's extra crazy a lot of this stuff is like it's bringing a lot of stuff together so that like when you look at all this stuff side by side you're like oh the the situation is like it's not just dire like it's been designed to be as shit as possible and then it's actually failed on top of that so like any kind of provision that the capitalist system is trying to the way the capitalist system gives us housing or gives us jobs or gives us food or whatever none of it's working and even if it were working it's designed to make everyone have the worst life <laughs> yeah and i yeah.
2: find it. i'm um, like the like citing specific figures and stuff also is really good because i find that in a lot of um uh books like that do kind of have a more like, I would say political books that have this more kind of like manifesto kind of form are yeah. often kind of light on the figures, you know, like they yeah. will just, you know, like running on vibes. Um, because well, like they want it fine. to be more
1: timeless, right? Like they don't yeah, want yeah, to be like yeah. exactly, in yeah. 2021, this was true, but then you're reading it in like 2030 and you're like, oh, okay, yeah
2: yeah, 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 so, um, so I think that really kind of like backs up a lot of what they're saying for but, sure, um, yeah. yeah, 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 no, so yeah, so, um, but in the yeah, and what you say it was about well, like, I, the the last third. It kind of switches to being the more like kind of.
1: I don't want to dive straight of... into that. I do want to say oh, they yeah. had a couple of really good examples. So I just want to. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to just go through like the contents page or whatever. But they had some really good structure to the book. For example, like um, the what is it? The second part of section two, brick by brick, the dismantling. Um. Which just sounds awesome. Like they've got, they've just got great titles throughout this. But like the second section of that is called Crimigration, which is like they're, they're, set, they're talking about how like criminal law and immigration are like fused into this one horrible thing. Um, and that's like super true, especially like we've had, we had uh, Joe Moam from the Good Law Project on the Red Planet Stream for Trans Power. And besides trans issues, like the biggest other focus of the Good Law Project is on immigration issues because like, for everything and I I keep saying this on the show right but like everything the state gives to citizens they're gonna every time every time citizens get something new the the border between who is citizens and who isn't citizens gets more violent because it's like it's guarding more stuff um so like that's part of like you know uh we when we have in the British media like every day uh, stories about how underfunded the NHS is that don't call for like the NHS to just get more funding from the government. They call for like privatisation or they blame immigrants, right? So they're like, we get free healthcare, they want the free healthcare, so we can't let them in or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And also, also, just before that section is a section just titled imperialism. So like, I do think it comes from a really good perspective. It references Huey P. Newton uh, specifically. Actually, Thanks. it references Newton in a uh in relation to intercommunalism which is like a book that he wrote with lenin so like i think it it, it you know Sick. in terms of theory like i really couldn't fault it's like standing um i'm not actually going to have much critical to say at all like i i said this on twitter earlier but, like this is one of the best books i've ever read it's genuinely amazing
2: yeah, I I love that they um they led with imperialism as well, and I think it is like it's core to a lot of what they're talking about. I, it is it is very grounded in the kind of the UK, um, you know, like talking deliberately about how you know like Britain kind of like Britain only functions because of imperialism, sort of thing, um, and and uh, and its and its history and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think it is you know a lot of it is like pretty applicable to most countries in the imperial core like except in you know like uh where it's talking about the you know like England's kind of like history of exploiting kind of oh even just like the the immigrants and refugees that come in and like you know like whereas in the UK they're talking about like Caribbean um Caribbean migrants and stuff in New Zealand it's the exact same thing except it's you know it's like people from out in like various islands around the Pacific and stuff and but there's like a very similar kind of relation there um there's um yeah not exactly the same or whatever but I think a lot of it is very kind of like um very similar a similar dynamic there um so yeah I think it's it is really good to start with imperialism because I think that a lot of like that's something that I mean when when they came on the stream we talked about how important that was to kind of all of our politics as well but i think it often gets kind of um i wouldn't say brush over i would say i think it gets like the ball gets kicked downstream for a lot of this kind of stuff
1: yeah i would say that this would fit in neatly with something that mark fisher said which is one of his more contentious points right because it's one of those things that like then fisher fans who are kind of dickheads anyway like take and kind of Rather than trying to use it to change anything, they just use it as a cudgel to like attack like, people who they think are too invested in idpol or whatever. But like Fisher said that there's a, a problem in the modern left where um, power is the thing that people who oppress have. So to have power is wrong. So it is like morally good to be a victim. And so we'd rather focus on ways that we are being oppressed and victimized and just talk about that rather than try to actually build and use any power. And like, again, like you can you can easily understand the implications of this where like a someone who's kind of a dickhead and kind of a reactionary would use this point very negatively. But like, obviously the point he was trying to make was like, we should change that situation and build worker power. Um, <laughs> And I think that, like, often I think that discussions of imperialism slide off of people's brains a little bit because of that. They're like, well, that's, like, a global empire. Like, I can't do shit about that. But I can, like, feel bad about, you know, I, I can, like, tell people how sad it makes me that, you know, a, another black guy got killed by American police or whatever.
2: I, I kind of feel that, like, it's usually one of those discussions that, like, kind of people go, like, oh, we'll we'll come to that later, you know, like... People will be mm. like, okay, well, we'll 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 talk about all the reasons why things suck in our neighborhood, and then later on, if you're still listening, we'll do that. Whereas I think it's um, I I love that they came up front with it because it's like, yeah, it's you know, it's like, It's just like it, we got
1: to deal with this, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah exactly, issue. you know, yeah. yeah,
2: and it's it's not like um, like I don't think it should be thought of as something that it's like, oh, that's like an advanced level discussion or whatever. Like I think not it's like all. very yeah. possible for everyone to understand, and I think it is like one of those things where it's like we have we've seen like numerous times when i guess like more um like i don't know just like grifters on the left will completely ignore or they will like just um just deny um you know deny the reality of imperialism and like i guess like the way that the people in the imperial
1: core still like even even the average people, working class person that has yeah, a, might so have people, a shitty life some people are like really incensed by like Lenin's concept of the labor aristocracy for people who are familiar, right? Like there is a labor aristocracy. If you're born into a country where like by being born there, you get certain privileges, then like compared to all the other workers in the world, you have those privileges and they don't. And just like Tim was just saying, like you can be like an Appalachian farmer who's in dire poverty, but you'd still be in the labor aristocracy, which is like, it's understandable why that's a t- like a- an unpleasant like idea to swallow, but it is still true. Uh, it's like it's like the two the two <laughs> two kinds of grifters on the left when it comes to imperialism are uh, like imperialism is the only thing that matters. If you're talking about like psychiatric abolition, you you, you don't see the real issue, and yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or on like the other hand, like imperialism it, yeah. isn't real. Uh, I want Cong- I want Bernie so we can have a social democracy in America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And exactly. like Cradle community like threads the needle so perfectly because they're they're like leading the conversation with imperialism, but they also make everything really, really human. So like I've got this is an example I wanted to a couple of examples I wanted to read straight from the book. Could they start um part 10 of section two, an ableist society by saying this? When Elliot discovered his sister would be leaving their shared home due to an ongoing custody battle, he responded just as any 14-year-old boy in distress might. He had a meltdown. His mom, Sumaya, a community care activist, had popped out to their local shop when she received a terrifying phone call. Elliot is black and autistic and lived in a rural white area where instead of meeting his emotional distress with empathy and care, his neighbors had called the police. Despite Sumaya's pleas, six police officers entered their vo- their home and violently restrained Elliot. One officer smashed Sumaya's phone when she tried to call an ambulance for her son. Elliot spat at him and was subsequently charged with assaulting three police officers. Right. So it's like when you're talking about ableism, what it, like an incredible like human way to deal like, to show like how violent ableism is, and then like uh, the the very next chapter is. Um, The mental health industrial complex and it it mentions this story which comes up again in like the next chapter but like in 2016 sarah reed a black woman died awaiting psychiatric evaluation while on remand at holloway prison an inquest concluded that unacceptable delays and failures in her psychiatric care had contributed to her death while sarah may have died in prison we cannot ignore that she was first sent there for having defended herself against sexual assault in a psychiatric hospital right and it's like they they tell some stories about people just briefly in, in like often at the starts of chapters like that and it's like these are all stories that like if this is happening in society society has failed like it, we live in a failed society if this can happen yeah, yeah. to anyone
2: I like that they um they do have quite a lot of those kind of like personal um stories and then they will you know and they'll talk about like like there's you know they mention a lot about how um how many uh, like incarcerated Black and Brown women are from people that um, you know, like, are often the ones that called the police to come help them, you know, like a domestic dispute or something like that, and right. they end up getting arrested themselves and things like that, and like, yeah, um, yeah, and I, I think it's, I think it's good because they do talk about like, you know, they are talking a lot about imperialism and like the kind of um, exploitation of the imperial periphery, but they are still. Or they're always bringing it back to a very local um community focused kind of level which is um is really good because you know like a lot of people try yeah it's like kind of like the divide that we were talking about before with the people that are like imperialism is the only thing that matters or people are like my personal kind of like freedoms are only the only thing that matters where it's like this thing where it's like okay well these are actually linked, you know, and yeah, if you take yeah, a, yeah, a bigger look at the entire <laughs> yeah. thing
1: then um, you know I'm hoping then... to be able to do a thing sometime in the foreseeable future where I like talk about how much you can move, like how 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 much you are able to like travel or move around, because I think that like that might do the same thing of like linking those together, right, like we live under a big power structure, and you can't really see it unless you try to like move around the world or move like your stuff around the world or move money around the world right and like sorry this is a tangent i yeah like i just think that like people do not conceptualize like you're saying like their personal freedoms as having to do with the the global situation um yeah yeah yeah, yeah um Shafiq and Chad
2: are saying Victims being punished for trying to access help is more common than not. I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, um, they talk about that a lot in here. And I think that also, um, ties into a lot of the psychiatric stuff as well, um, where it's like the institutions and, uh, the agencies around it are not necessarily like if you are, if you are a person that is like experiencing like significant psychiatric distress, um, those the the institutions that you're or yeah the agencies that you're supposed to contact are generally not the ones that you know like are very helpful or you know are going to really put you at ease and help you you know like sort of thing so it's um like this and like it's almost like well i mean it is it's like it's like a criminalization of um you know certain kinds of mental health sort of thing where it's like you could just you could have you could be in a really distressing situation, you could be like very unwell, need help, and you call the people you're supposed to call and they basically just put you in jail. Right. Like Yeah, um, yeah. 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 And it's like,
1: it's not called jail, but it's,
2: you know, like it is, it is a prison. Um
1: but, I remember um, yeah. um I remember when we called with um uh I think we called with Chelsea, I think, uh to to talk about having them on the show uh like they'd sent you know the the cradle community just functions as a collective all the time so like they have everything they have discussions internally and like they sent one person to kind of like hear from us about what the show is about and and like get the vibe and then kind of go back to them and then they would have an internal discussion about like how they wanted to engage and like I remember one of the things I said about the show was like it is our position that like colonialism has not ended (laughs) Like it's just it's just hidden itself in various waves of pretending to do nicer stuff, um, and I do think that like, and she was delighted when I said that. Like she was like, "Okay, hell yeah, I'm into this show." <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there is their section on imperialism. Like, I think does a really good job of of just unflinchingly being like, "Uh, it's not like Britain benefits from having been an empire. It's not like it's not like France like benefits from having had colonies or whatever. It's like." there is the Imperial Corps now and there were, there were these empires before and you'll notice like they're the same countries benefiting from exploiting the same other countries. Like that hasn't changed, like to draw any kind of line to when like, you know, empire ended is nonsense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there is a lot in this book about, um, drawing direct, direct links to like, you know, colonialism and stuff like that, you know? And it's like, um, yeah. And it is just kind of, especially in, you know, I guess like England, the seat of the Empire or whatever, or what yeah. was or whatever um, you know anywhere like yeah in the imperial core i think um is you know like the existing systems that people benefit from uh, you know they're all they're all built on that history um, sort of thing, but um, yeah, there was some other stuff in there that i I really liked as well about um just the focus on um the criminalization of the poor and yeah, the, um, yeah I, I mean it's like you know they talk about like the class divide of what is considered like criminal and all this kind of things like that like there was um there was one part I highlighted where was it under reframing crime violence and safety there was this bit, yeah um, they say um, sex work drug progression a uh, drug possession and not paying a tv license are all crimes worthy of state punishment yet the deaths of 72 people in the Grenfell Tower fire state-sanctioned killing during war health care right. cuts preventable deaths and care homes from COVID-19 and evictions of people from their homes are not deemed criminal which I think this is really good because it's just this it's this tiny little paragraph but it does link in all these different things you know from yeah like uh um, yeah. yeah like the Grenfell Towers stuff like state-sanctioned killing during war health care yeah. cuts all these things are um you know, like to talk to the average kind of like liberal or conservative or whatever like that, they might say those are all completely unrelated things or whatever. But um, I think if we actually, you know, if we look at this through a proper kind of, um, I would say like a materialist lens, I mean, when we look at like, you know, like the reality of imperialism, then you see that all these things are, these are like, they're all linked, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And I think it's like, it's really succinct for them to just, you know in one little paragraph be like oh yeah all of this stuff or whatever where it's like yeah if you didn't if you hadn't thought about that before you might not realize how these things are linked but i think they do a really good um they, they yeah. carry
1: on and they kind of talk about like the nature of harm and violence i honestly can't recommend this book strongly enough like i think it just does it, it just does all this so perfectly i like people should be like by by you know buy this as presents for people who you think might be into abolitionist politics like I might, I might leave this in the like take one leave one section of, in my cafe because like I, like I just want every like the widest reach of like people to read this. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, no, it's um, it's really good. There's a lot of
2: um, good stuff. But yeah, there is um, there's um there was a section in there that i oh there was um in that same section there was mm. something i think that mentioned about how it's like i think it was like most imprisoned women in the uk are literally just because of like not paying the tv license yeah. or something like that yeah so it's, it's just fucking like, crazy which is like a huge like that's like that's literally just like class warfare right like yeah it sounds so yeah. silly like tv license oh you didn't pay your fucking little let's, bbc let's, yeah you let's
0: watch the talk. news
1: without paying for it
0: let's talk about the tv license for a minute it's actually (laughs) it's actually the renewal time around now i think i just paid mine Mm. um and what you have to remember is that what tim said is absolutely right it is basically just the bbc license fee that's what you're paying you're paying for money to go towards a corporation that is extremely biased it's run by people in the room just a state
1: propaganda unit
0: yeah, they're a state propaganda unit. Uh, You know, they broadcast bigotry and, and you know, yeah. there are, there have been so many it's scandals. It's like wild, right? It's like, well, you didn't pay your money
2: and... to get your, your, fucking, your transphobia and your Doctor Who. Like, yeah. Oh, go yeah. Jail. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, so, and so here's the thing, yeah. Wouldn't it make sense then, chat, yeah, that if you didn't pay your TV license, that would be fine as long as you didn't consume any BBC media. You would yeah. assume that that would be great, wouldn't you? But actually, no. If you have any screens in your fucking life and i think they even count like phone screens now like if you're able to get on the internet they're like you have to pay a tv license i don't have to like... pay a
1: license for my
0: phone or my or my like it's if you have a tv right oh is that what it is i don't fucking know all all i thought was <laughs> that like if they think if you can access bbc stuff then <laughs> but yeah. you should Not even try their
1: hardest to make it like to prove the case that you technically could access shit, it's didn't they used to just like
2: pretend? Didn't they used to just go knock on your door and be like, "Hey, you know, like you got a TV in here or whatever." Yeah. It was like, um yeah. oh yeah, yeah. There's, you know, like,
1: there's a really popular scam where someone will come around with like they're holding like a you know fucking ammeter for like checking circuits or some shit, and they're like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. I I can see you've been watching TV here," and it's like, "Fuck off, man!" Like, I had, I had <laughs> this happen. Like,
0: I've had this happen at like three separate addresses I've lived at in London. And as wow. well, um, you're absolutely not obligated to open the door to the TV. No, <laughs> like, have no, powers. no, literally, <laughs> it's like a third party company. It's um, so bizarre.
2: Oh, you got a license for that telly? That's literally that's <laughs> actually that's literally
0: what no, it is. Real, it's not even a joke. Real.
1: But yeah, I think they did a really good job of tying tying a lot of stuff together. Where I think that even even someone like me who is unfortunately British, um, you know, I and I, and I spend a lot of time talking about British politics i still i think sometimes i can still lose track of like things fitting into the bigger picture like um like uh nat's family are, are romani and like in discussion discu- they so they talk here about like property laws and trespass laws are also used to disproportionately police and imprison gypsy romani and traveler grt communities who make up only one uh only 0.1 percent of the general population but six percent of those incarcerated in women's prisons right like that is 60 times disproportionate right that's that's so wild um and yeah like i i'm because nat's family is romany and we've been to some like uh some like Romani activist group stuff together and she talks about it a lot like i you know i'm i'm familiar with a lot of stuff to do with the grt community uh and their issues but then i think like even then like sort of reading this just right alongside then talking about the prevent strategy which if people aren't familiar, the government's anti-terrorism prevent strategy has injected high levels of surveillance policing into Muslim and South Asian lives. Uh, basically it's like a, it's a thing where people can, can, can dog people into the state and say, I reckon this, this person might be getting radicalized. And because the, the state's like main focus in terrorism is on Muslims, like they're primarily using this to surveil Muslim communities. Um, you know, and I also like, I think another thing is like when it is trying when it's building a bigger picture, it's also easier to have a much more reasonable perspective of the way the world actually works. Because if you're kind of like a lot of people have memed on the prevent thing, right? Like I a lot of people, a lot of people in my kind of social space online have been like, oh, I'm posting extremist content or uh, we just finished, and she rolled over and started posting extremist content, or like getting referred to Prevent because of my T-shirt, or so, you know, whatever, whatever memes. Like, and it's like, right? But like, for, for for how we're talking about this thing, and it is also like a genuinely really terrifying authoritarian thing where they're trying to get people to surveil each other. Like, hang on a second. Like, I am in this this social circle of like of commies. Like, I don't know anyone who's been referred to Prevent. I do. But then, right. The other day I met someone who works with young people and she knew one of those young people had been referred to prevent. And I was like, oh, right. Like all of, for all of our like fucking meaning about it, we're like joking about it and then acting as if it basically doesn't exist because we aren't like kids. And actually a lot of this is it's, it's all of these systems are trying to like construct a perfect overlap in order to like, police certain groups and like one of those is young people and one of those is like immigrant communities and one of those is like black and minority ethnic people the grt community queer people you know the ways in which i'm policed for being a queer person right the ways in which i am surveilled or like uh um uh systemically held back by 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 society and the state for being a trans woman like i'm not you know i'm not held back by the like you know I'm not, I've not been fucking referred to prevent, yeah, but I yeah, am yeah. making extremist content um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, by the government's definition. Like this right now is extremist content. Like the government yep. is absurdly conservative and like, it does not, you know, we haven't been fucking referred to prevent and that's because it's not there to do that to us. Like we aren't actually the target of it. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a self-employed small business owner. You know, in term in terms of the legibility of the state, so I'm actually a crucial piece of the capitalist puzzle. That's um, true, me too. So no, so I'm not being referred to prevent. Whereas like some kid who they kind of need, you know, like they talk about exclusions. They talk about like kids used to get caned in British schools now, and you know, uh, and now they, you know, now instead they're using social exclusion and often like isolation, which like is also extremely harmful in a different way uh and always those punishments then and these punishments now are used disproportionately against poorer uh black and brown kids and you know and so on um yeah yeah i think it does a really good job of focusing on, on youth liberation as well there's one point i want to say like yeah. I think, um
2: that ties into there's some other stuff in there that's really good about talking about how Britain's prison population is sustained through the criminalization of acts of survival so yes. um yeah, you know, like, things like sex work and things like that, uh, you know, criminal... Or just getting just... your
1: Doctor Who without paying the DP license. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. getting your <laughs> Doctor Who, um, you know, and just, like, in, different, like, shoplifting and things like that. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, and drug offenses and all this kind of stuff like the that. The fucking...
1: And, one um... of the guys who works at the local Tesco, to me, has started wearing a body camera on oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, an yeah. actual, yeah. like, fucking sorry i cut you
2: off it just like... yeah no 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 Oh, it's true though you know like it's um yeah you know it's like and it's like what are you gonna steal from tesco's that you need a body cam like you don't have yeah. anything in I, this tesco's
1: that is worth i like, bought fucking... this bait of a guy was wearing a, a, a body camera like <laughs> yeah. like fucking what for what's what yeah, is yeah, happening yeah. yeah but um
2: yeah, no, um yeah, there was actually an one part that I um thought was really interesting as well, is that um, yeah, according to the this is a quote from the book, according to the 2021 Bromley Bromley Briefings prison fact file by the Prison Reform Trust, more than two-thirds of people in prison were unemployed in the month before being taken into custody, and 15% were homeless. So that's like yeah, more than two thirds were unemployed. You know, yeah. like yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like fucking wild. And um, yeah, I think it like kind of ties into the whole idea of like prisons kind of being like um, you know, like almost like a method of well, you know, like definitely like a method of like class control. You know, like um, you know, and then and this goes back to the other stuff as well. Like you know how um they mention a lot about kind of like the crimes of people like you know, like Boris Johnson and stuff through like criminal negligence of um, yeah. things like, you know, like the COVID response and stuff, like all the people that have died and, you know, like uh, because of that, but it's like they will- Or the never... Grenfell fire
1: they mentioned, right? Like the planning the yeah, 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 was inspected, they were like, it's super flammable. And then the fucking tower burned down. And, like, yeah, yeah, and they were started. like, oh, but and, like, it's cheaper than the other stuff. More, so, you know. More UK members of parliament have become landlords since the Grenfell fire. And like all specifically, like including all places that have this fucking like flammable cladding,
2: yeah, 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 it's wild, um yeah, so I i th- I think it's good that they um because they're ultimately talking about you know prison abolition and stuff, yeah, so it's like they're talking about the way that um yeah they're talking about the definitions of harm and violence, and how we can kind of um you know like how we can um. Like deal with that happening in our community and i mean like most of the stuff we've been talking about is about like you know systemic harm and violence and stuff but um yeah it does uh get in later in the book it goes more into the kind of um like direct kind of like person to person harm and things like that yeah more about like um you know what to happen when you know someone in your community is you know like has abused someone as violent or you know anything like that and how to deal with that which um yeah I think is really interesting um especially like you know we've been talking about like how that applies to not just like communities like your friends group in real life or whatever but also like online spaces and stuff um yeah I think it's like a really interesting discussion to have um definitely yeah they have, before we get they... into that though I'm just going to jump up for just a second okay cool well down. they have this
1: they have this section here uh that's kind of outlining kind of political goals. So just to kind of, I guess to wrap that part up a little bit, like um they have a bullet point list. They're like because they, it is quite it is basically a manifesto, uh, and this cut down to like they're like th- these are things we should be demanding. Stop the construction of new prisons and our prisons under new names, which like is very good because they've like spent a lot of the book explaining how like other things are basically prisons, but they're just pretending they're not. Um Divest from and target international corporations profiting from securitization and settler colonialism. Demand that our institutions divest from these violently parasitic corporations. End the police's use of lethal weapons and other cruel tools such as firearms, tasers and spit hoods. Uh, I don't know what a spit hood is actually, Mule, do you know that?
0: I've got no idea, but I'm going to Google it right now.
1: Uh, Redirect funds from police equipment, vehicles, and weapons into community-empowering resources. Abolish stop-and-search, one of the key tactics used to harass and criminalize young people of color. Organizations such as White Stop provide tools and apps to help log stop-and-search incidents. Abolish prevent and the gangs matrix. Uh, Resist conspiring with these kinds of racist frameworks in whatever spaces they show up. So I recently listened to a really interesting... a uh, really interesting episode of the podcast. It could happen here, where they were talking. Actually, it was uh, it was guest hosts from a different podcast, but it doesn't matter. Um, they were talking about this this like sweep of like policies that they were referring to as like the ugly laws that happened a while ago- like in the twenty in the early twentieth century, to be clear. Um, that were all a, a set of policies to just try and remove people they thought were undesirable from just public life and public sight. Um, and- like TikTok,
0: TikTok did that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, like, for for <laughs> physical, real, you know, society. Yeah. Um, And one of the things that they talked about that was, like, um, the crime matrix or the matrix law or something like that, which is quite funny, like, you know, in our context, but, like, this was, like, 1920 mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, And actually, like, this, what they talk about in the book, uh, I was telling Nat about this, like, the gang's matrix is, in many ways, a follow-on from that, because it's all about establishing a, a matrix, a, uh, you know, a framework of legibility for, like, analyzing and surveilling people who they think are going to do crimes um anyway. so,
0: um a spit hood yes is a incredibly depressing uh piece of clothing that the police force over people's heads jesus christ if they think that they are at risk of being spat at or being bitten oh um, fuck that's horrible and the pictures are just pretty grim it's just basically like a cage that they put over your face made of like Latex or whatever, you know, they might not even like wash it after they've. That's fucking horrible. That's
1: disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Uh... It
0: kind of looks like something. Chat if you've ever seen Dune or any of the adaptations of Dune. It kind of looks like something that Harkonnens would be into.
1: Uh, to carry on with the list of of, of demands, uh, decriminalize sex work. These are all the very, uh, to be clear, like very immediate demands, but I'll talk about that in a second. Decriminalize sex work. Repeal laws that criminalize survival, e.g. drug laws and vagrancy laws, and release everyone in prison for those offenses. Establish confidentiality between services and the people they support. Abolish mandatory reporting. Resist new bills to expand policing and probation powers. The Kill the Bill coalition of feminist groups and groups fighting against police brutality for protest rights, for migrants rights against against the criminalization of GRT communities and against child imprisonment have all joined together in resistance to the police, crime, sentencing and courts bill, bringing hundreds of thousands out onto the streets on 1st of May 2021. Uh, Unfortunately, that bill has passed some of the worst parts of it were taken out uh but like the probably worst bits like literally worst uh like the you know just policies that just genocidal against the gip community were still in um uh established community defense against state intervention that one's a big one and very fucking cool um Spread, spread information about your rights and resources to support people experiencing criminalization in your local area. Local po- police monitoring projects are already set up in London, Manchester, and other cities across the UK, and are an important tool for keeping track of police actions in our communities. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's fucking base as hell. And it's also like, reinforcing that I do think that Cradle Community and Red Planet, in terms of the guests we have on, the, dis- the, the ideas we discuss, like, what we're about as a show, like, we really see eye to eye quite closely, and uh, I think that's backed up by the fact that, like, the book shouts out Queer Care and, like, Copwatch. <laughs> like, uh, and, you know, they. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think they know other people, like, kind of are linked in with other people who we've had as guests or are talking to to be guests
0: as well. Um, we, need some, we need some Copwatch orgs on here. We've got to get some Copwatch. We had a Copwatch episode, but we should do did it we? again. We, yes, we did. Oh, my God. Um, I was not wait, there. Did you miss
1: it? Maybe you maybe missed you... it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I do think that, like, that... Brings me to a, a point about the wider structure of this which is like um how we build a world without prisons it really reframed my understanding of transformative justice because when i first heard about transformative justice i was i kind of thought that like I, I, I kind of heard about it on a very individualistic kind of level because like the way that the Barnard Center for Women's Research talks about it, they're, they're talking about like examples of this person's harmed this person and then this is what we would blah, blah, blah. And so I thought that the transformation was more about like changing the conditions that led to the harm. That was the transformation they were talking about. But really it is talking about transforming the whole of society because like just like with the Republic, right? Like Socrates asks the question, what is justice? And then by the end of it, he's like, so we need like, uh, uh, you know, we need this kind of structure of society, and the, the people who guard that society need to act this way, and art needs to be like this, and I'll censor these poems, and blah, 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 and it's like, he's figured out, like, everything he wants about how society should be. He's kind of Stalinist about it, but, like, he has a pretty complete picture, and it's like, that, that can happen when you ask, like, what is justice? And I think that, you know, it's really important to understand that the the, the transformation in transformative justice is we need to build a world without prisons, and to do that is so many steps away from where we are now, because they'll just try and build prisons with other names. And they have so much invested in putting people in prison and having people in prison and in building prisons that we need to change so much on such a deep level that like, I really like that their kind of manifesto points I just read out are kind of like very immediate, but the rest of the book tells you what the direction is. Like they're like, we need to demand these things right fucking now. But like, if you've read this book, you understand what the long term project is here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, um, I wanted to because I wasn't on that episode, but I did watch uh, a bit of the Cradle Community episode, and I thought it was really, really awesome. Um, especially with Kelsey, I think it was sharing, uh, you know, the story of her assault, her sexual assault, um, and that really kind of resonated with me a bit because I am a victim of child sexual abuse in two different, unrelated, well, yeah, well, they're only related because they're child sexual abuse uh, scenarios. And, you know, my sort of journey in as as a victim, right, has gone from, you know, complete denial to extreme (laughs) violent thought, Um, you know, obviously that I would never act on or whatever, but it's, you know, the range of, like, what I think I would want to happen to the people who abused me, um, has changed radically throughout the years, and I think some of that is really important I think a lot of victims a lot of victims don 't get listened to a lot a lot of people like to talk big and say listen to victims, listen to victims but like sometimes what happens on the journey of being a victim is you realize that the thing that has been taken from you that you cannot get back um by taking something from someone else still doesn 't get it back. Right. So if if I wanted to put these women in prison for a thousand years, never see the light of day again, that's it. Game over. It wouldn't get me what was stolen from me. Right. That it doesn't bring it back. And that's why these conversations about like, what is justice, I think, are so important yeah. because... It, it, that is it's it's genuinely the eternal question like what is justice there are there are actually like i i meant to research it for this episode but i completely forgot but there are actually um small movements of you know people who have had people die in capital punishment prisoners who have harmed their family harmed abused murdered their family uh or even themselves and they've been put to the chair and these victims have, have been campaigning for the end of, of capital punishment because they've gone through this, you know, horrific trauma, this horrific ordeal of, you know, with their loved ones or themselves being tortured, hurt, whatever's happened to them, harmed. And then they reach the finality of it, which is that 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 person who did this, their life is gone. They are no longer on the planet anymore. They can't hurt anyone anymore. It's over. And the trauma is still there. And they cannot be free from it. And this is the issue that people don't talk about when they consider what justice is and, and what the reality of transformative justice is. So I think it's so important to really frame it as that, you know?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, you know, uh, Nat and I have been talking and my friend Andy, like, uh, they, were, they were reading some stuff that I think is in, in it's an anarchist perspective that's maybe in defense of, like we could call it street justice. Like uh Chelsea made this the reference when uh she was talking about like her uh she knew a transformative justice activist whose TV got stolen and he was like, No, it's chill. And she was like, No, but I still she was like, I kinda kinda still believe in street justice. Like I remember this guy bit, is out yeah. there with the TV. Um, yeah, and like you just get it back. <laughs> yeah, like I you know, I think that like I think there are wider conversations that you can explore that um talk about both the um moral legitimacy and the societal function of the possibility for like, um, a survivor of some kind of trauma, a victim of some kind of abuse to want to just get to just beat the shit out of someone <laughs> or something like that. But it's like, you know, I think that in terms of a holistic framework for society and how society needs to be like, this book is incredible. And like that, you know, what I'm, uh, alluding to without explaining and kind of being very simplistic about right now, like that's That still is dealing with things very like on an individual level still. And like that's not the same as, you know, Mule, what you're just saying about like um uh capital punishment, like uh that's the state executing someone. And like even if we believed wholeheartedly that there's like a catharsis that someone could get if they like killed someone who killed someone they love or something like that like it's not that when the when the state puts someone in prison and then gives them the lethal injection or whatever is is fundamentally not the same
0: thing yeah Um, even the concept is completely yeah which
1: to be just to again reiterate like i'm not advocating for the for the death sentence in any form uh here i'm just saying that there are other perspectives that i think have interesting points yeah Yeah, absolutely
2: Um, yeah yeah. Um, yeah it's um it is. It is interesting because, um, yeah, it is that thing where it's like uh, a lot of the kind of I would say, like even like the revenge mindset, even in um, well, you know, like I, I think it, it just comes from a society that is deeply punitive, um, going all the way back. You know, like we are raised from a very young age to be like, this is how this is how you solve a problem when someone does this to you. You know, like we. Um, you know, like, you know, this harm needs to be addressed in this way. And um, they talk a lot in the book about how the um they they refer to the UK, but it I think it applies in most, you know, pretty much most um places in the Imperial Corps and even further abroad, where it's like they talk about outsourcing these interactions. So something happens and some harm has been done, and it's outsourcing that. This, the solving of this kind of conflict to to cops, to social workers, to all this kind of stuff, whereas like um, the ideal, well, like you know from. The brick by brick perspective is that the ideal society kind of, um, would arm people with the tools to solve these things as a community themselves, you know, like, um, so you don't need to, you don't need to go to the state. You don't need to go to the, you know, the cops or anything like that, because you're like, okay, well, this person is stolen from me. So, um. You know, we have the ability to address that as a as a community group. You know, which um, yeah, uh, Nats yeah. just
1: Nats just linked me the thing I was referencing on Discord here, and it's called Thirty One Theses: A Manifesto. So I get you know we're dealing with another manifesto with a slightly different, but I think in many ways the same kind of per- perspective. And like it's st- the Thirty One Theses start with like Thesis One: uh, Every rapist is a cop without a badge. Thesis Two: Every cop is a rap- is a rapist with a badge. Um, um and like kind of kind of walks through these points uh make, like you know very logically and just like showing how it's maybe something we could discuss another time in much more depth but like the the kind of one of the things that it's crucially says is like we do not and never have advocated for the introduction of standard procedure rule or policy of executing every rapist and we're tired of this disingenuous straw man uh like they're, they're basically just saying like if there's a question of of your individual kind of sense of catharsis or justice or whatever, that is just a that that's that's a different question to do like than how does society function. And I think that really ties into like everybody drink, like what David Graber talks about in debt the first five thousand years, where like the um someone just mentioned that Bordrella just mentioned that in chat. <laughs> um
2: basically <Double> drink.
1: <laughs> basically like um if we're asking the question what is justice one thing we'll immediately bump into is that people in the society we live in seem to think that justice has a lot to do with debt like they think they think that when something's happened something has to balance it out and that would be justice which is a which is fundamentally like our symbol of justice is the scales right which is literally a tool of trade like it's literally for weighing out and like bartering or whatever like it's um like the idea that we need to balance things and correct a debt with justice is, is a, I'm not going to say it's a flawed idea. Uh, I'm going to say it's an idea we are allowed to actually question because that's the more like the radical step that people are missing that we can't even question that idea. And I think that that's what these do, right? Like every other framework for justice has still asked like, How do we balance things to make to make it right punitive justice is like an eye for an eye because it's like literally an exchange and then like rehabilitative justice is like well uh it's still the punishment but then on top of that hopefully we will give this person opportunities and in, in many ways like uh what was it like um i've forgotten the name of the other one anyway like transformative justice again like by being about like society at large and the transformation of society at large into into a world that could actually exist without prisons, like is demanding a reframing of justice that has nothing to do with debt. Like I'm really regretful that like I first kind of heard about transformative justice through this framing that was about like, if someone's harmed you, then what do you want to blah, blah, blah? Because again, like, I just think it's so individualistic and actually like The answer that they are getting at, that I think transformative justice more broadly gets at, that we all need to get, is, like, if we're going to have justice, like, it basically means to view every opportunity, sorry, to view every time injustice occurs as an opportunity to move society towards a better one. Like, every time there's, like, oh, something's happened, we need to correct something, what we need to correct is everything like it's like looking at
2: like i guess like instances of harm as like a kind of more like a community failing as opposed to like um the individualist thing it's like you know like what 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 are we not doing like or what what are we doing or what are we not doing that has allowed something like this to happen yeah
0: when i when i uh do disputes with members of the tenant union one of the main things that they want, and that we help them get, because of course we don't, uh, you know, put landlords in prison, um, even though that may be the best place for them for now, um, they maupilled mule. What they wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. mules? They, they no, ask? we take Go them. On. We take them straight to the. Yeah, yeah, straight, straight to the gulag. Actually, <laughs> uh, no, nah, yeah, they. So what? They, what people mostly want is they want compensation and you got me thinking about that just then sophie right because it's like so if you've had and and mostly the compensation is for things like assault not assault more like abuse more like Mm, uh, what's the word harassment harassment is the word i'm looking for so they will be like yeah you know um and, and and oftentimes people will be a little bit hesitant to ask for compensation but that's only because they feel like they can't do that they feel like they can't do that but when they're enabled to when we empower them to they go oh well i suppose about eight grand would probably do it do you know what i mean and they think yeah. in their head like actually yeah if i had eight grand i could probably go on a holiday and forget about it and <laughs> and it makes me think right when you said that just then it's like yeah that is the main thing that people want people want monetary relief they want like you know something has to be given and i imagine in like the you know the ancient times it would have been like okay well give me a goat give me uh you know 500 sheaves of wheat or whatever yeah and this kind of stuff and it makes me think because we think about life outside of capitalism that's what we're trying to inspire everybody to do and if we live a life outside of capitalism where everybody's needs are met to the point where people are allowed to thrive and travel and, and you know move freely around the world without fear of discrimination, and everyone's fed, clothed, housed, has medical care, then how many of these grievances not only would just disappear, but would also become irrelevant in terms of you know in terms of compensation. compensation. you wouldn't need compensation because it's like well my life is great actually I don't need any of that stuff. Um, so I think and that that's where, where
1: you get this other kind of thesis I'm referring to where people is like. Yeah. If you're asking in a situation like that, if, you, if you're asking in your society functions like that, how do you feel when someone's hurt you? You have a very different question. Yeah. It's a very, yeah, very yeah, different yeah. question all of a sudden. And also like the reason it starts with like every rapist is a cop without a badge and every cop is a rapist with a badge is like, cause they're talking about, you know, the system that sits on top of all of us has like borders with violent enforcement on them, right? And it's like the, the violence of that needs to be met with a pushback of power um is a point they're getting at. anyway um
2: yeah exactly think, um, like, yeah the, 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 uh, one thing that um I think I wanted to talk about because I think we are getting kind of late in the stream but um oh, the shit. idea that um a lot of people like to think that there is like there might be like if something happens that they can just find like you know they can just jump online and they can be like okay transformative justice guidelines or something like that but I think yeah. like, one thing that's really important to to know or to remember is that there is no there is no structured process and it's going to look different depending on the community depending on the kind of harm or that kind of stuff there are things like like it's more like the core philosophy than like an actual guideline for what to what to go through and um yeah and uh so it's kind of like
1: um they yeah i mean they have they, a section called self accountability. Yeah, where yeah. they have a set of questions we can ask so that we're aware of our own like accountability and they also yeah, say they took a little I bit in the notes that i just was yeah gonna, that's what i was no 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 no, you got it okay, yeah, yeah, you picked up what um, i was putting down cool, cool <laughs> right. yeah, I, I, yeah it's like we've read the same book Um yeah. <laughs> uh like one tool i know that people dealing with transformative justice like like to um to to use is the pod map, right? So what people do you have in your life and what ways can you can they support you? And what ways can you maintain your relationship? And like what are the limits and boundaries of their support for you and so on, right? And what like not just people, but also like institutions maybe or like groups or communities or resources. Um and that's how you build a pod map out. But like they make a really good point towards the end of here that like in order to be accountable, one function needs to be that like for people who have done harm or might do harm, like having th- that person having oh that party having like a map of a pod like a pod map that's almost like it's not just that it's definitely there to support them but it's also there to make sure that they are accountable like it's there to be like you know these people offer you this support in this way but also they're gonna like make sure that you're you know not in not you know whatever um Anyway, so they said, to end this section, we extend an invitation to reflect on the following questions on power, defensiveness, and taking responsibility. Where and how do you hold power in your life, e.g. as a parent or a teacher, through age, race, and gender? Uh, i'm obviously a hot girl so like that's power i have over everyone that's a power yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty privileged um, is
2: um like that's actually more important than class that's um, true yeah male, uh, yeah, yeah yeah like Marx yeah. failed to um,
1: <laughs> realize this, but, um yeah yeah he, mark's failed to predict e-girls um mm, true how are you affirming those around you um by 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 saying mule your beard looks lovely today my little yes. peanut
0: Oh, thanks, Sophie. You look beautiful, gorgeous, incandescent, phenomenal, <laughs> out of this world. Thank, Thank you're from you. from Mars. <laughs>
1: how are you making out clear to others that you are open to feedback? Uh, think of a time when you caused harm and didn't apologize or repair the relationship as well as you wish you had. What were your fears around taking accountability? How does, mm. how does being challenged make you feel? How do you feel when someone's boundary is different from your own? What are your tools for protecting yourself? How will you make sure to carve out time and space to address harm and support people around you? What has stopped you from being able to rebuild trust with someone you have harmed in the past? How can you communicate to others in an honest and sensitive way about harm you have caused in the past? How will you speak about the harm with people close to you and with new friends, partners, colleagues, and comrades? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of these questions. are really good.
2: And they also like they totally apply to what we were talking about earlier about um you know like in online spaces and stuff as well yeah. like um all this stuff is like pretty general but um yeah one thing that um i know that is though all well, that i've kind of like just through you know reading and kind of like taking part in various things over the, the years um for transformative justice i think one thing that often gets overlooked by a lot of people like when you're thinking about like there's been harm in your community or whatever uh-huh. a lot of people will jump directly to like okay we need to um you know like we need like they, they focus on the person who was the um the the person that caused the harm and they're like okay you know and like and you see this um a lot where people will jump in straight to attack that person or whatever but um in a lot of, like a lot of studies I've seen and a lot of kind of work around transformative justice, a lot of people, a lot of victims find that it's not so much, like they don't get the best sense of kind of like, I guess support or closure from seeing other people attack this other person or right. these people trying to, but from an actual, from recognizing the harm that is being done to them. So, you know, like, I think it's important when, something happens instead of just being going straight to like, oh, yo, fuck that guy. (laughs) Like, you know, like, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Checking in with your friend, you know, or like actually just taking the time to be like, Hey, look, you know, like, I can see that something like that this has really harmed you like this you know and just kind of like no I mean if we're speaking end-
1: about like online spaces like there have been times when people have been super transmisogynistic to me in various ways and I have seen people who uh you know supposedly fucking leftists Who are, like, doing streams about, like, the drama And they, like, we are, like, also supposedly friends Like, we've chatted before or whatever Or chat fairly regularly And, like, before even checking in with me Like, they are live and streaming to talk about, like This thing's happening with Sophie from Mars and these people And it's, like, fucking Okay, that's cool Nice one Normal. good job yeah, man yeah. very normal so shit. normal yeah i yeah, think it's, like it's i think there's i think so i think that there's checking in and i think, I think there's also like there being a community understanding of what has happened i yeah, think yeah. that's another thing that's really important to people's sense of justice like i think that if someone you know like if someone as hard as this is to imagine like suppose some like white leftist was really racist um <laughs> That ne- like that never <gasps> that happens. never happens that's uh, really hard
0: to, to try and really picture hard to in my imagine. head actually
1: not nothing um, like
0: that's happened recently at all
1: or or like every two weeks since the dawn of the online lab um yeah but like um you know i think that i think that there being a popular understanding of like the way in which someone was racist is one of the things that like would help the like help the uh like the the people of color in the community to feel like welcome and safe in the community as if like they saw that everyone was like very clear on what had happened which feels like a really hard thing to kind of establish uh, in an online space because obviously like it's it's so esoteric and so full of like uh people just like you know playing telephone and just like twisting things constantly but like I do think that if we had principles towards trying to like understand what has happened you know if if we had these transformative justice principles and one of them had to do with like knowing that knowing clearly what's happened and then and understanding why it's wrong was a really important thing to for like processing harm i think that we could actually achieve that like it doesn't have to be like we're trying to completely destroy and remove the person who did the bad thing it can be like we're all agreed on why the bad thing was bad like if that same person like keeps doing it and shows like is showing everyone that like they're just doing it cuz they're a fucking grifter and they just want more clout and money or like they're just doing it cuz they that like they they are just like deep down racist and they have this, like this like in- ingrained beliefs or whatever you know that that's a different conversation about like you know that person being excluded cuz they've got this clear track record but like And that's to do with like community safety and what you want your community to be about. But like, I think that I think that like people processing that harm has happened by being like, well, this is what happened is kind of a huge first step. Right. Like if the community were easily able to be like this white leftist was racist in this way, this harms the community of color because of this like this is a or whatever like and we just were like cool we understand what's happened there you know you can i think i'm trying to say that shared understanding is probably like the fundamental thing as hard as it is to get that on the internet and like but if you had that shared understanding of what had happened you could also have a shared understanding of like what does that person need to do to then be acceptable like to, yeah, you know because yeah. because like you know, an apology. It's just a fucking gesture, but, like, it can be enough sometimes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if yeah, you've
1: absolutely. all got a shared understanding of what's happened, and yeah. someone's like, yo, I'm really sorry, that was fucked up, and, it, you know, I don't I don't make excuses for it, but I do understand what happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, that, for a lot of people, would be enough. I just think both sides of it, like, supporting people who've been harmed, and, like, what a person needs to do to show that they're not going to be harmful again, both yeah, come yeah. out of a shared understanding. So I'm, I'm kind of like, if we wanted that for the online left, like, understanding why a shared understanding is important would probably be like the absolute fundamental and then from there you're like how does this person need to change
0: like that was the that was the biggest one it was like okay so you know what's the root cause of this as well like because that these are really the things that need to be attacked right um again it's like michael brooks be ruthless with systems you know just absolutely ruthless be kind Uh, to people and ruthless to i have i have it tattooed on my body yeah. See, actually that's incredible yeah i, know I, I did it
1: myself i'm, wear, I'm oh, wearing i'm wearing yeah. pretty loose jeans right now i might be able to show it get it it's out. like a, it's like a, it's like a the, the whale from the from night in the woods
0: uh and like oh, around the whale it. it
1: says be kind to people and ruthless to systems but yeah like i did another reason i think that like a shared understanding is so important is like i you know like i there, there's an instance that like i've had pretty recently where like I've been harmed. And then people who I'm in a community with, like, do not understand the, like the way in which I've been harmed and have treated me really badly because of that. Like they've actively been hostile because they see like an association to someone who's harmful. and don't understand that the association is that harmful person was harming me. <laughs> and like, again, like a shared understanding, cause it's like, I've got my closer friends around me and they all fucking know what's going on. And then, then, then it's like, clear as day for them and then there's these people who are kind of a a, a couple of steps further away from me and it's like you know
2: hmm. so um we are getting towards the end of our little uh early finish stream now so um do we have any homework for this week i think yep. maybe just like to reflect uh, I mean, on some of these questions um... i'd
1: say get the book if you can yeah yeah yeah, get the book um, if, you,
2: if you can um if you can uh if you can afford to grab it yeah um but if you if you can't just uh re well when the VOD comes up you can um rewind and just maybe uh think about those questions that we asked uh which are directly yeah, from yeah about self
1: accountability definitely yeah yeah because well, I think if,
2: there's definitely if, parts in there that I was just like yeah
1: can I like can I quickly run through on I think these things are super relevant to like our question of homework so I'll just say like um they have questions to explore and then a couple of other things I'll, I'll try and be quick but like questions to explore how do you support your friends to reflect on their actions when they've hurt someone or have done something out of alignment with their values who facilitates the conflict work in your communities think of a time you felt like you needed to call the police uh can you identify what you needed in that moment how else could you have been supported by those around you to get what you needed how are people being targeted by the state in your community how might your community be targeted if you begin engaging in transformative justice and community accountability? And then, like, the section right after that, I'll, I'll mostly just read the titles of these, but they basically say, like, these are things we need. The section's called Joy and Healing, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, like, so much of British culture is built around suffering and then wanting others to suffer like we, we did. We say <laughs> enough. Our liberation demands joy. So, like, they've got these sections that are, like, healing, justice, collective grieving, building sustainable and nourishing political movements, joy and resistance, imagination, rest, and creativity. So it's, like, you know, they're... they're again, like, please read the book, <laughs> but like, it's, um, they have, they have some pretty good, like, building blocks for, like, where we, where we need to start off, and I think that in terms of homework, um, maybe I'll post, uh, those pages somewhere, like, maybe the Red Planet Twitter, um, so people can see them, but if, if you, yeah, I think if you want next steps, the book has them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, um with that then uh why don't we talk a little
1: bit about our patreon i think we should do that tim thank you so much for the wonderful idea uh what what the what about our patreon the the color the 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 banner image the logo the Um, sophie's stalling so she can bring up the tier (laughs) list so she can read read the sprite mode (laughs) which is two two pounds a month and get started with your support for red planet by becoming. A sprite. Benefits include the sacred and forbidden knowledge that you are helping the Red Planet team. Early access to VODs. Access to the Red Planet Discord.
0: What's our other tiers?
2: Well, we, after that, of, we... Go oh, on, to no, Go, go,
0: me off, no, go, Okay, it's Goblin Mode. Everyone loves a goblin. £9.50 a month. Uh, we all get a little goblin mode from time to time. Complete your gobology by going goblin mode with everything from sprite mode, a set of cool Red Planet stickers for you to stick in legal places and only in places like that. Access to exclusive Red Planet Discord hangout, which me and Tim are kind of discussing tentatively a little bit. We might be playing some games soon. I don't know if Sophie's going to join us or Kira, uh, but we'll let you know if you're in the Discord. If you're doing it, I'm going to try and be there. There yeah, you go. Cool. Uh excellent, excellent fucking news. But Tim, tell us about the next one. Uh the next one
2: is Beast Mode, which uh for me is New Zealand $38 a month. I'm not sure what oh $20 a month. Oh, $20 a month. The, the, yeah. yeah, $20. <laughs> I can see on the screen. Uh my little stream screen screen there. So holy shit, are you actually gonna go beast mode? Well, then we can offer you all of the stuff from the lower tiers and pin badges. Yep, pin badges. We are excellent, new red planet pin badge literally everywhere. It is completely cool and good to do. And um, yeah, of course, that includes the Discord benefits as well. And yeah, the tangible goods from like the stickers from the the previous tiers. Um, but what about the sicko mode, so?
1: Well, sicko mode is an interesting one because it's a hundred freedom dollar uh, which is uh the universal term for the American currency. Um and if you support us that much, we can only reasonably offer you everything from the other tiers, plus a very special thank you message at the end of every stream, like this one. Goblin Games NZ and JBP, thank you so much for becoming our sickos and supporting the stream. Uh, your hundred dollars a month uh, each uh, pays for like Conrad to work on a whole fucking show because it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, strings. The- Think of how much delicious gruel he's getting because of your contributions. Yeah. Thank you, sickos. You're the best. Um, except for all the other patrons who are equally as good, except it's financially.
0: True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: that was a smooth thank you. And if you want a smooth thank you like that, consider it becoming a patron.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, right. It's so good,
1: we have goals uh we're trying to yep. get to 900 quid we're currently about mm. 600 quid uh with a couple more sickos or a bunch more sprites or not that many more goblins or certainly not that many more beasts uh we could absolutely hit that goal and if we do that yeah. we're going to get an editor which means we're going to have loads of little clips we're also going to be able to produce a little bit of documentary content which we're really fucking excited about and i'm really excited about forcing Mule to play a tabletop role-playing game with us because he doesn't oh, want to, yeah. but I don't he will do
0: it. That will do be it. like the
1: celebratory stream. We'll, um, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: we'll do that. Um, and there was <laughs> also, something else as well that I, I feel like I signed him up for, but
0: I can't remember what that was. Uh, um, is the hacker the hacker photo shoot? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do also want to say because I think we don't do this often enough uh, but if you've been watching on YouTube chat, we're sorry that we don't look at the YouTube chat as often as we should <laughs> if you are watching our VOD <laughs> on YouTube please like, comment and subscribe it really helps us out yeah. <laughs> but uh... I've got some other people that you should like, comment, subscribe and really help out and her name is Sophie from Mars wow. we found you
1: oh wow You uh, <laughs> pe- uh, fucking uh, peep <laughs> I was on a different tab. Uh, You said people you can support and she's called so what fucking all right. Yeah, Um, you're like more than one person, no? You can find me on YouTube at Sophie from Mars, Twitter and Twitch and Tumblr and Octodon.social slash at Sophie from Mars, where I do a lot of trauma posting. Um and you can uh but the most important one is patreon.com slash Sophie from Mars. That's how I pay my bills. So please check it out. I'm writing about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos right now. It's going to be a wild ride. A lot of kooky stuff happened with that there, lady. Uh, But what about a kooky guy I know called Tim? Where can we find him? Um, You can
2: find me here on Twitch and over on YouTube at Conquest of Dread. Um, I haven't been streaming too much lately because of the flood, but um, before that, uh, I was streaming Black Book, and I'm going to carry on doing that because it's a really good game. Um, and yeah, but then over on Twitter, you can find me at Dread Conquest, uh, which is where all the shit posting uh, happens. <laughs> um, what about what about DJ Mule? Where can Donald
0: Donald Mule be found? Good God, Tim! Thank you so much. Uh, you can get me at DJ Mule on pretty much everything, uh, apart from Twitter, where it's DJ Mule with an underscore at the end. Um, I do. Uh, what is it? What What do I actually do? I do Twitch. I stream from Monday to Thursday, uh, about five to six PM UK time till late. Uh, just doing politics, video games, all that nonsense. Uh, we. I am also a YouTuber. I'm working on a video at the moment. It's still in progress. Uh, getting back to work on it this week. It's about Berserk, the manga Berserk, and how it is a queer, polyamorous love story. It's going to be a really, really good video. I'm really happy with how it is turning out at the moment. Uh, yeah. Support me on Patreon. I'm doing it all, you know, all the updates, they're on there. You can find out actually what's going on there. Um, and yeah. I think that I think that's it. And not, well, let's we not forget... Let's not forget wonderful, sweet Kara Chats, who's in the chat, and she is available on Kara Chats on Twitch. She's also on Twitter at Kira Go Chats. to her
1: Twitch YouTube. and then go in the chat and then get the link tree, which is linktree.e slash Chats, and then click on the links, which Twitch doesn't want you to know about. That's, yeah, the, secret one. Links. That's uh, the one. Yeah. In the meantime, thank you for watching. Next
2: week... Also- what? We need to give a big shout out to our sickos.
0: I literally did that. We did. Oh, we did, did. Oh, okay. it's Tim, Tim Day. Day. Oh, it's Tim Day.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, well, thank okay. you for
1: watching and next Fuck week. Them, we, sickos, yeah. we we <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the Sorry, support of our patron. And loving. uh we'll we'll see you next week when we're talking to We Don't Know Yet. It's a surprise even to us. Bye. Bye. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Planet. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell all your comrades about it. Find more on the show, including where to watch live at redplanetshow.com. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at red underscore planet underscore TV. And there's even more at our Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash red underscore planet. Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week. My end of this call is a permanent disaster this week. <laughs>